Today is what uh, the country deems as St. Patrick's Day. And uh, Patrick was a, was, a, was a preacher in Ireland. He was a preacher in Ireland that uh, tried to take the gospel to those people there. Uh, the reason it's called his day today and the reason that the shamrock is used uh, is because of Patrick's sermon that he preached once. He used the three-leaf clover. You know, a lot of you are, think that, maybe think that four-leaf clover, clovers are lucky. Savannah, my daughter, she can sit down in a, in a, in a field of grass and find four-leaf clover after four-leaf clover after four-leaf clover. But I can't. I, I could look there all day and never find a four-leaf clover. But she has lots of four-leaf clovers that she's found. But the three-leaf clover, Patrick used it in a sermon uh, to show the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And how that they were one. It was one plant, you know, with, with three leaves. And, and that's true. God is one. He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Today, we could use that same clover to preach the gospel. We've been learning, we've been learning in Romans that the gospel is God's power to save. And we learned in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, that the gospel is the death the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, just like a, like a three-leaf clover has three leaves, and it's one plant. We've got to obey the gospel. We've got to obey all of that, that. We've got to obey the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we learned last week, we learned in Romans, that in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, to obey the gospel, you are buried with Christ in baptism. You die to self and are buried with Christ in baptism and you're raised to walk in newness of life. The death, the burial, the resurrection. Don't make St. Chad's Day a day, okay? Don't, don't make one of those days. I've, preached, I've used that now to, to, to preach that sermon. Don't, don't, don't make a St. Chad's Day. We don't have to go that, that far. Um, we have been learning in Romans, and I hope you've been keeping up with your reading in Romans. We, we've been learning about the theme of Romans, the righteousness of God, God's righteousness. It, it's the theme of Romans. So far in Romans, the, the doctrine or the teaching that we've learned from chapters 1 through 8 is that God's righteousness is revealed in the gospel, that we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of, of God's glory. But this is the perfect condition for God's righteousness to be shown. His salvation by faith plus obedience is the accreditation, we learned, of God's righteousness, chapter 3 through 6. And our sanctification is a demonstration of God's righteousness. Today, in chapters 9 through 11, if you'll go ahead and turn there in Romans, chapters 9 through 11, we'll see the justification of God's righteousness. The justification of God's righteousness is, he, is because He is the sovereign ruler over His people. This is shown to us by Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, who writes from Corinth around 57 AD to the Christians in Rome. We see God's sovereign rule through the example of Israel. Paul shows their past election, their present rejection, and their future restoration if they will have faith enough to obey. Almost 2,000 years before Christ, 
God selected Abraham to be the father of a new nation. By Abraham's seed, all the earth would be blessed. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. A few hundred years later, the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or Israel, were delivered from slavery, the slavery that they had in Egypt. Moses led them out, and on Mount Sinai, Moses was given, and he in turn gave the Israelites a a special law, a, a, a ritualistic system of worship in Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 through 6. This ritualistic system of worship, this special law, was to separate them from the rest of the world. If you read Hebrews chapter 9, you'd see that all of us are part of that promise. And all of this was done in preparation of the coming Messiah, the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. For around 1,500 years, God tried to have a special relationship with Israel, but it was always a struggle. It was always a struggle between the righteousness of God and the unrighteousness of His people. The Israelites said, no, they, they promised they would keep God's law. They promised that they would do what He said. They would follow God, but over and over and over, in God's eyes, they prostituted themselves literally and spiritually with other people, strange gods. Wayne Jackson writes that Jeremiah here summarized the whole history of the Israelite people. Here in this one verse, the whole history of the Israelite people is summarized When he, in just a few words, charged in Jeremiah 32, verse 23, they did nothing of all that God commanded them. So, because they rejected God's law, God sent his people into slavery again. But the promise to Abraham was still in force. Through Abraham came Jesus. But... The Jews rejected their own Savior. Looking at Matthew 21, verse 44, these unbelieving, unrepentant Jews, it says, would be ground to powder. And it happened, A.D. 70, Jerusalem was destroyed along with the temple, along with the Jewish religion. According to McClintock and Strong, they say today there is not a single Jew who knows his tribal history. Because Israel rejected Jesus, God replaced the physical nation with a spiritual nation. Romans chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart. In spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. Today, those who obey the gospel, Jew or Gentile, become children of God and are the true children of Abraham, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27. The gospel is God's power to save. And in the justification of God's righteousness, He proves His sovereignty. 
He proves he is the supreme authority. He proves that he is he's supreme, he's the unmitigated, he's the absolute, he's the excellent ruler of his people. We serve a loving God. We serve a powerful God. We serve a supreme God. We serve a, a sovereign God. He rules us. He rules the life of his people. Now Romans was written before the destruction of Jerusalem. But in their present state that Paul is writing to these Romans in, and in our present state today, Paul is writing to us, to, writing to us as well. There are those who reject God in His righteousness. Because Paul writes, if you'll turn with me, Romans chapter one, Romans chapter nine, verse one. I tell the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. Paul saying, I'm not exaggerating. That I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. Paul says, I'm so sad. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh. I, I wish, Paul says, I wish I could be separated from Christ so that my fellow Israelites could be saved. If that could happen, that's what I'd want. Who are Israelites to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises. You know, the Israelites, they had it all. They had it all. They had, they had the glory. They had the covenants. They had everything given to them. They, they had the, the law. They, they had the service of God. They had the promises. Of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came who was over all and eternally blessed God. Amen. From the Jews came Jesus. The promised Messiah came through the Jews. They had it all. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel. It's not God's word that's broken. God, God's not broken. His word's, His word's not broken. Not everyone who says they are an Israelite in the flesh is a true Israelite. Christians, not everybody who says they are a Christian is a true Christian. Some of you just got wet. And you know it. Nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your, your seed shall be called. It wasn't the will of Abraham. It wasn't by the will of the father Abraham. It was God's promise. It was God's promise. That, that is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. The, the identity of the, the Israelites was not determined by the will of man. It wasn't determined by the, the will of Abraham. It was determined by, by God's promise. He was the one that made them the chosen people. They didn't make themselves the chosen people. God made them the chosen people. Christians, God afforded you the chance to be God's chosen child. It wasn't your choice. It wasn't because you came up with this grand plan. 
The Israelites didn't come up with this. God came up with this. He's sovereign. He rules us. Does He rule you? Keep reading. And not only this. Excuse me. For, for, for this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. You remember the promise. You remember Sarah? You remember the, the, Isaac means laughter. Isaac means laughter. She was in that tent. She's 90 years old. God tells her she's going to have a child and she laughed about it. He promised her she would have one. It came true. It came true. And not only this, but when Rebekah had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to the election, might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. You know, Rebekah, while she had the twins, Isaac, uh, Jacob and Esau in her womb, while she still had twins in her womb, a promise was revealed to her. Here's the promise. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated, and the promise came true. Jacob was the father of those 12 sons who became the father of the tribes of Israel. That's who he's talking to. That's what he's talking about. That's what Paul is talking to us about right now. What shall we say then? Is there righteousness with God's? Excuse me, is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. Wait, don't treat God badly. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. I will have mercy, God says. I will have mercy on whomever I want to have mercy on. I'm God. I'm sovereign. I rule this place. I rule your life. And I'll have mercy on who I want to have mercy on. I'm God. So then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. Mercy. It's not up to us to obtain that mercy. It's up to God to give us that mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up that I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. God has the first word. So the question is, will we be on his side? Will we be on his side? Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills, and whom he, on whom he wills, he hardens. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? In other words, then why does God blame us? If he's in charge of everything, why does he blame us, it seems? But indeed, old man, who are you to reply against God? Who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? Who are you to second guess, second guess God? Paul is saying, Who are you? You can't do it. Even Job didn't even dare do it. If you remember Job, do we know enough to call God down? No, he's God. He's sovereign. He rules. Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? I mean, really, does the clay talk back to the potter? We were made in God's image. God wasn't made in our image. The clay can't talk back to the potter. The potter makes the clay. What if God, wanting to show His wrath and to make His power known, endured with much 
long-suffering the vessel of wrath prepared for destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. God can shape one of you for holding flowers, and he can shape another one of you for holding soup. Salvation is God's to give. As he says also in Hosea, I will call in my people who were not my people and her beloved who was not my beloved. I'm going to make the nobody somebody. That's us. That's the Gentiles. I'm going to make the somebody, the nobody somebody because Israel committed adultery. Her bags are packed. Now you've got a chance. Each and every one of us have a chance. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people. There they shall be called the sons of the living God. The the unloved will be loved. The undeserving will receive mercy. Isaiah also cries out concerning Israel, Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, the remnant will be saved. Even if the country of Israel had more people than the sand in the sea, it's the remnant that will be saved. There are those who have not left God. Christians, you may get down and think, I'm all alone. But if you're part of that remnant, you're not alone. There are those who have not left God. For he will finish the work and cut short in righteous, cut it short in righteousness, because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. And Isaiah said before, unless the Lord of Sabbath hath left us had left us a seed, we would have become like Sodom, and we would have been made like Gomorrah. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah are no more. If God hadn't made a plan for us, if God's promises for us hasn't come true, we would be in the same shape as Sodom and Gomorrah. What shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. You know, all the people that didn't seem interested obeyed. And they have their, have, their lives have a new start. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Israel was wanting to be so right, so right, so right, so righteous, every jot and tittle, every little mark made. They weren't going to disobey any part of the law. They were so righteous, they were so right, they were so right, they were wrong. And they missed it. They missed Jesus. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith. But as it were, by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. They were so worried about the means to the ends. They were so worried about the program. They were so worried about the, the jot and the tittle. They were so worried about the letter of the law. They were so worried about the projects that they couldn't see Jesus and they fell. Tripped right over him. Stumbling block. As it is written, Behold, I lay on Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. 
You must stop. You must take a step back. You must take a look at your life. And if you will have faith enough to obey God, you will never regret it. You'll never regret it. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Paul says, I want Israel to be saved so badly. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. There's a spark there, but they really don't know God or they really don't want to know God. There's a spark there. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. They don't understand God's righteousness because their worry is one way. It's selfish. There's no submission. There's no humility. There's There's no conversion. People just aren't converted. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Christ is the end of the law. And if you believe, you'll receive his goodness. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does these things shall shall live by them. You know, it was hard. It must have been hard to live by the law. It must have been a hard thing to do. But the righteousness of, of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. Let me tell you something. Living by faith is not... You don't, you, we don't have to go to heaven. We don't have to go to the God particle that they found, right? We don't have to go there. We don't have to build a rocket and go out into space to find God. And we don't have to dig down to the center of the earth to find Jesus in hell. No, no, what's he say here? Look, look what it says. But what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's right here. It's in your heart. It's right here. That is the word of faith which we preach. The words that save you, they're, they're in your mouth. They're, they're in your heart. They're, they're right here with you. All you've got to do, all you've got to do is have faith enough to obey. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you believe? Let me ask you this. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the, is the Son of God? Do you want to be saved? Do you believe that He was raised from the dead? Here, here's the gospel call. Jesus, you know, just as Christ was raised from the dead, uh, Romans chapter 6 verse 4, So are we when we're baptized. For with the heart, listen, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. You'll never regret your decision, Paul says here. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is over, is over, is, is over all Excuse me, for the same Lord over all is rich to, to all who call upon Him. You know, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter where you come from. This is afforded to you. This salvation is given to each and every one of us. For who, notice, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, Scripture interprets Scripture. Keep your finger in Romans and turn to Acts chapter 22, verse 16. Acts chapter 22, verse 16. What does Paul say about his own conversion? 
What does he say? He says about his own conversion. He's sitting there and Ananias says, what are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. What? Calling on the name of the Lord. Scripture interprets Scripture. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How do you do it? How do you do it? What are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Calling on the name of the Lord. How then shall they call on him whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe on him whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You know, folks have to be told. They have to be told so they can believe about Jesus. They have to be told about Jesus to believe. How will they if nobody tells them? How will they tell them unless somebody sent? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Everybody look at their feet. Everybody look at your own feet. Look at your own feet. I can still see mine. They're pretty. And your feet are pretty too if you'll go take the gospel to other people. They have not all obeyed the gospel. Sad. That's a sad statement made by Paul. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Not everyone's ready. Not everyone believes. Some who've obeyed the gospel, you don't believe anymore. You've lost your faith. Preacher preaches. The preacher preaches, but does anybody listen is what Isaiah is saying. Lord, who's believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you want more faith, it's the only way that I know biblically how to get more faith. If you want more faith, come to church. Read your Bible. Talk about it amongst yourselves. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. They've heard it. You've heard it. Now what are you going to do with it? There's the question. But I say, did Israel not know? First Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation, I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. Israel was so prideful. Moses used others religiously to bring them back. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I made manifest to those who did not ask for me. People had never seen Jesus before. People had never heard of, of Jesus before. They reached out and first thing, First thing, they, they, they want this, life. But so many of us who've had this all of our lives, we've grown up in the church, it's like we don't want it anymore. It's like it's not important to us anymore. But there are so many people out there who've never heard what you know. And when they hear it, they take it. They run with it. 
But to Israel, he says, all day long, all day long I've stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Over and over and over and over and over, you've heard God's word. You've heard what he wants to do in your life. You've heard what he wants you to do in the lives of others. And still you won't listen. And still you won't obey. Disobedient, contrary. I say then, has God cast away his people? Here's awesome. Here's something awesome. Certainly not. Certainly not. You haven't been cast away. He says, for I am also an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Is, is God getting ready to get rid of Israel? No. I, I'm, Paul's saying I'm a real Israelite. You know, somebody say, I'm a real American. Some of you might say, I'm a Christian. I'm a real Christian. Oh, yeah. But I still have to obey to receive God's promises because God is sovereign God's in control. God's in charge. God has not cast away His people whom He foreknew. Or do you not know what the Scripture says of Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel saying, Lord, have they, killed your, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. God's people are a part of His plan. Elijah, I love Elijah. Elijah had, had just had one of, the, one of the most, God had just done one of the most miraculous things that had ever happened. Elijah had gone up on the mountain and he had a contest with the prophets of Baal. 450 prophets danced around a fire and tried to call on their God to, to set their sacrifice on fire. And it didn't happen. They called all day long and nothing happened. Elijah built an altar, set his sacrifice on top, put three buckets of water on top of it, and then called for God to set it on fire. And God set the whole thing on fire. And all 450 prophets were killed by the sword. And you'd think Elijah, because God won that day, would be on this spiritual high. But one woman, old Jezebel, she, she put out a contract here, what we call it today. She put a contract out on his life and he ran away. He ran away. He ran away to, to all the way down to Mount Sinai, hundreds and hundreds of miles away from where he was. He was so scared. He was so afraid. He felt so alone. I'm the only one left, God. Do you ever feel that way, Christians? Do you ever feel that way? All this work you're doing, all this, all this study you've been going through, all, this, all the planning that you've done, sometimes it feels like it's for naught. I'm, I'm all alone. I'm all alone and they're seeking my life. But what does God say? But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed down the knee to Baal. God's people are still here. God's people are still here. I must listen to God when he says this to me. This is to me. He's saying this to me too. God's people are still here. Where are they? Where are they? Are you one? Are you one of them? Even so, then, at this present time, there's a remnant 
according to the election of grace. They've been elected by God. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 If we are in Christ, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Those in Christ, baptized into Christ, have been predestined. And we will be uh, the elect, Matthew 24, verse 31, when Jesus Christ comes back. We're saved by grace. And if by grace, then it's no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it's of works, then it's no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. Remember, faith without works is dead, James chapter 2, verse 17. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it and the rest were blinded. Israel tried to live by works, but they couldn't. It did not obtain what they wanted to obtain by living by works. Just as it's written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear to this very day. Jesus quotes, though, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 15, but if they will hear with their ears, if they'll understand with their hearts and turn to me, I will heal them. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Even David was angry because they were only looking out for themselves. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow down their back always. Let them be a blind slave. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. Is there any way back? Are the Jews, what Paul is saying, are the Jews lost forever? Certainly not. This is not forever. There's a way back. Because through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Everybody here. Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches to the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? If by their fall we can rejoice because we have salvation, what if they all came back? What if everybody that you knew that used to come to church came back? What if, what if, what if, wait, what if you came back? You've left, spiritually left. What if you came back? How awesome would that be? For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry. Paul was, Paul was sent to the Gentiles. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. He hoped it would provoke his kinsmen to jealousy so that some would be saved. For if their being cast away is reconciling of the world, what shall their acceptance be but from the dead? Just, just think of all those outside of Christ. If they could all just get it right. For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. You know, if if Jesus is holy and we're in Jesus Christ, then we're holy. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive tree were grafted among them, and with them because a partaker of the root become a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree, you know, the, the root feeds the tree, not the other way around. Jesus is the root. He feeds us. We don't feed him. Do not boast against the branches. But if you boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. You know, Israel was broken off. If you obey, you're grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. God will get rid of the dead weight. But if you're alive, be humble. 
That's what we're going to talk about tonight. I hope you can come back tonight. We're going to talk about humility tonight. You need to hum- be humble and fear God. Fear God. For if God did not spare the natural branches, He may not spare you either. If God didn't spare Israel, His chosen people, what about you? If you don't obey. These were His chosen people. The whole Old Testament is written about them. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fail severity, but towards you goodness if you continue in His goodness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. God is good, but He is also severe. He rewards those who are His, but He will cut you off if you don't obey. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. It's not too late. It's not too late for any of us. Even the Jews who were cut off. It's not too late for them. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? You were lost, but you're in God, and all who want to be in God will be saved. Now... Here comes a, 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 a very difficult passage. And from this passage right here, I'm not going to tell you what other people say. I'm just going to tell you what the truth says. I want you to understand what the truth says, okay? Listen. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Now here's what this means. The mystery of God that has been revealed is that Jew and Gentile are equal. But if you're ignorant of this, or you get too high on your your own opinion of yourself like the Israelites did, you'll be a blind slave too. Look at verse 25 again. The hardening was the Jewish disbelief in Jesus. Notice the in part there. Notice in part, only a portion of the nation lacked faith. A remnant remained. Many Jews will remain hardened until Jesus Christ comes back again. Then it will be too late. But right now, as it was said in class, it's not too late as long as there's breath in you. And so all Israel will be saved. It is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. The hardening was to be in part... So there's still hope. The Jews, like everyone else, will be saved by their belief plus their obedience. They will accept the gospel and they will surrender, it says, to the deliverer of Zion. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. The rejection's not total, it's not final, till Jesus comes back. For as you were once disobedient to God, for as you were diso- once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you they may be they may obtain mercy. There was a time. If you can remember, when you were on the outside looking in. You were on the outside looking in God's grace. 
God's mercy, God's salvation. Now they are. What would you have wanted somebody to do for you when you were on the outside looking in? Would you have wanted them to come to you and tell you about the hope that's in Jesus Christ so that you could be saved? Well, that's what we need to go and do to them. For God has committed them all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. Oh, the depth and the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways. Past finding out. God is sovereign. God is all-knowing. God is all-wise. No one can know all of God. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him and shall be, and shall be repaid to him? Is there anyone that God has asked advice of? For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Our salvation is of him. Our salvation is through him. Everything is in him so we glory in him and praise him forever and ever. Amen. Just as God controlled the past and the present and the future of the Israelites, he is sovereign and he controls your past your present, and your future. You are part of a divine plan. Maybe you were part of the elected, but you rejected God. And you need to be restored. Maybe you believe. Maybe you know that you need to be baptized. You don't have to be lost. We see that God is right. We see that God is reasonable. We see that God is just. We see that God is holy. We see that God is is sovereign. Does God rule your life? If you want Him to, come right now as together we stand and sing.